0: What's going on, guys? It's Mike Yam of the Pac-12 Networks, and you're listening to the Inside Pac-12 Football Podcast. And don't forget, you can watch the show every Tuesday night on Pac-12 Network at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Mountain, or on Pac-12 Now. This week on the show, we got a breakdown of UW-Utah, certainly one of the bigger matchups on the entire weekend. We dissect why Stanford has been so good this season and some of the biggest changes at Arizona State and at Oregon and why they have led to the team's success. Also get an opportunity to talk to Manny Wilkins coming off a huge win against Sparty and Colorado wide receiver LaVisca Chenault, who is Pac-12 Player of the Week. Yogi Roth, also a very special interview with Matt Leiner and Vince Young about the 2006 Rose Bowl. Thanks for downloading the podcast and enjoy the show. Oh, yes. Week three finally upon us. We are coming off a huge week number two. Welcome inside our San Francisco studios. It's inside Pac-12 football. Mike Yam, Curtis Conway, Yogi Roth will be on the show, just not here with us. He's down in Los Angeles. I know you're already you're stuck with me alone and that's a problem. (laughs) That's not good. But the good news Yogi's going to be stopping by with us. And for good reason, he's in L.A. We actually have a couple special guests. Matt Leinert. Vince Young going to be stopping by the oh, yeah. show in honor of this whole rematch of Texas and USC. That's coming up in just a bit, but let's get everyone caught up to speed here. Bryce Love had to leave the game against SC because of a leg injury. Ran for Buck 36 in that game. He will not play against UC Davis. Cameron Starlet expected to get the start in his place. He won't have his left tackle and Walker Little also out for week three. Meanwhile, some respects slowly coming out West. Five teams now sit in the AP Top 25. Stanford, UW, Oregon, SC, and Arizona State now live there. The Sun Devils jumped in for the first time since the 2015 preseason poll. Manny Wilkins coming on the show in just a bit. Nebraska is crying foul after CU pulled off a win in Lincoln. The Huskers actually submitted a video of the play where quarterback Adrian Martinez was injured. The Pac-12 is reviewing that play, which does involve Colorado linebacker Jacob Callier. Martinez, by the way, considered day-to-day, and it's the biggest game of the weekend. UW in Salt Lake City, the Dogs should have had this one circled as the Utes have one of the best defenses in the conference points could be at a premium we are bringing you the coverage at 10 a.m pacific time the pregame will be back in salt lake city all right yogi roth in los angeles back with us so yogi we're going to dissect this utah uw matchup how did the Utes considering what we've seen from them offensively and what we saw in week number two how did they pull off an upset against chris peterson's team
1: Well, they're going to have to play much better than they have in the first two games of the season. You know, There's a great quote from Kyle Whittingham that runs in the Jumbotron prior to the game where he says, this isn't David versus Goliath. This is two Giants going at it. And that was them two years ago. They lost that game at home against UW. We know what happened last year in Seattle. Utah has been so close in this matchup, so they're not going to be intimidated. But they need to drastically and dramatically improve from what we saw a week ago. And I think there's a lot of areas you can point at. Number one, they got to catch the ball. You know, there's 11 drops right now by their receivers, and they're going up against what I believe is the best secondary in the country. When you look at the depth of UW, I was just there a week ago, Mike, calling that game. Because there's going to be in this ball game, I think three throws that dictate which team can win. Is it going to be Jake Browning who makes those spot throws? He's done that before, or is it Tyler Huntley? So I think they got to do that. They got to short up on the offensive line, and then defensively, give up zero explosive plays. I mean, they cannot give up any cheapies to UW. They're explosive. They got a a lot of playmaking ability, and I hone in on the middle of Utah's defense. UW loves running those crossing routes The Curtis Conway would make a living on back in the day. They got to make sure they shore them up. That's Chase Hanson, Marquise Blair, Corian Ballard. The safety is the heart of that defense. The middle of it has got to play big-time football, not give up anything big. I think this is a close one, and for the Utah Utes, Mike, I mean, both of you guys know it. They've asked for this. Here you go. You got it at home. Everybody's going to be watching. Make the statement that you're for real, and you can go win the Pac-12 South, and you should be ranked because the way they've played right now, I believe has been disappointing I'm sure for them and and I think for us
0: Curtis, you heard what Yogi had to say, and with regard to Utah, you talk about this all the time. you want respect, go and beat some of these teams. this is the best opportunity they're going to have probably the rest of the season.
2: Absolutely. It doesn't get any better than this. And this is where you measure your team off of teams like Washington coming into your place. When you look at this matchup, man, number 10 in the country, arguably, I mean, definitely the best team in the conference. But this game was circled when the schedule came out this when they looked at the schedule this year so they're going to be up for this game for me it's turnovers they lost two fumbles and you look at the game last week against northern illinois that game was too close considering what we thought utah would be so this is going to be a game where they can't afford to have any mistakes any turnovers because if they do Washington will capitalize on them and make them pay for
0: it Yogi when you go back to the film and you watch what Tyler Huntley was was doing in week number two and in some moments even in that opener when we were there against Weber State what jumps off the film to why this offense is not putting up more points
1: I think the biggest thing, and Coach Whittingham was critical of it post game, and retracted a little bit on it, but but it's the offensive line. You know they've got to be able to dictate terms. I mean that's what championship teams do on offense. They don't have, I believe, the playmakers on the outside to just throw it up and make a play like some teams in this conference have had in the past. You know they don't have somebody I think that's just going to bail them out. I mean Britton Covey continues to play at a really high level, but I don't know if he's that type of player. So they have to play consistent on the offensive front because they're going up against, I think the best defensive front they're going to see all season long. I mean, we watch Greg Gaines, Jalen Johnson, Shane Bowman and company. You watch the linebackers, how they come from depth in Ben Burke Burke-Curvin. And then there's Taylor Rapp, I believe the most instinctive defensive player in this conference. So it's all about the communication. I mean, when something is crossing your face as an offensive lineman, understanding that something's probably coming back the other side. Those are the little things that they're going to see. And on third down, in that environment, when Tyler Huntley's got to make a throw, I think he's completely capable of it. You know, receivers are fully capable of making those plays, but you got to protect. And I think a lot of times we look at the QB and we say, God, he didn't play well. And you look at his numbers and they're not elite. But I look at the drops. I look at how many times he was flushed. And for this team, the first two series, I mean, you'll be there, Mike. I think it's going to be really interesting because UW has played big-time college football in week one already this season. They've had to go as fast as you go when you get to the CFP, when you go to that championship level. Utah has played Weber State. We were there. And then on the road Northern Illinois. No offense to either one of those programs, but they're not at the same caliber of Auburn or UW. So early on in this game, I don't think Utah can afford to get down and let Dub dictate terms because UW's defense, I think they can clamp down once they get a lead. So those are the things that I think you'll want to pay attention to if they can find success on offense.
0: And Yogi, you're right, because this is going to be two powerhouse defenses squaring off. Of course, that pregame coverage once again from Salt Lake City starting at 10 a.m. Actually, our pregame crew was on the farm this past weekend. They got to watch Bryce Love ball out against Curtis's Trojans. Mm -hmm. Wasn't exactly thrilled about that. But Bryce, and I gave the news before, he's not going to be able to play uh, in week number three against UC Davis because of an apparent leg injury. So you tell me, Curtis, how big of a blow is this? To their offense
2: well anytime you lose a player the caliber of Bryce Love is huge but the emergence of KJ Costello has given this team light you know last year without Bryce Love you didn't know what this team was going to do but now with KJ playing the way he's playing guys I know this is going to sound crazy but it takes me back to 2011 with those tight ends with Caden Smith and Kobe Parkinson kind of reminds me of Andrew Luck, Kobe Fleener, Zach Ertz, The Toy Lolo, when all they had to do was line those big guys up and they were playmakers. So right now, when you look at last season and the season Bryce had last year, San Diego State said, we had to slow this guy down. Allow that offensive passing game to blossom and have confidence. Now they can play passing game football and win games. So I'm pretty excited to see what they do
0: without Bryce Love. Yeah, I'm actually glad you bring up the tight ends because Yogi, you've been hammering home this point for a while now that you, you made the argument that their roster of tight ends might be better than than the complement of tight ends that most NFL teams have. So from your perspective offensively, you you probably think they're gonna be A OK.
1: Well, I think when you look at this team, you know, and you compare them to other teams in college football, the Pac-12, they're a system team. You know, they're not building an offense around a running back like Bryce Love or Christian McCaffrey. This is just their identity, right? We've seen it with Toby Gerhardt. We've seen it with all the backs that have gone through, whether it's Stephen Taylor or the, or the running backs that are there right now. So whether that's Cameron Scarlett, Trevor Spates, I mean, those guys are going to get carries in this system. This is just what they do. For me, I'm really interested to watch this offensive line. Walker Little to me is the best offensive lineman I've ever seen with my eyes on film as a second-year player ever. In college football. I mean, you watch what he did a week ago against Porter Gustin and USC with all the twists, all the slants, all the movements. It's elite. So he's going to be out this game. So I'm really looking forward to watching the system of Stanford. And does it matter? Of course, there's elite players that can play at the next level, but they should still be able to operate efficiently what they do. And then when we're talking about the tight ends, to me, through two weeks, Mike, Caden Smith is my favorite player on offense in the Pac-12. I mean, he's, and, and there's a lot of guys to talk about, but he is such a difference maker. He's such a next-level prospect. And when you get to know him and you get to see him and his size and his girth, um, it's elite. And I think for this team, not having Bryce Love and Walker Little and a couple other players for this game, it's probably the best thing for them right now. If you look back at that game, that they, they I thought they just won handily over SC. SC had their moments. But Sanford was just kind of matter-of-fact. They didn't step on their throat. Now this is something to play for when you're David Shaw saying, hey, all right, we don't have our stars. Let's see what you guys are made of. And I think it's kind of the perfect timing for that type of motivation for this team to continue to sharpen their sword as they ramp up into Pac-12 conference play the next few weeks. All
0: right, I'm Caden Smith, your, your favorite guy, you're right, there's a, a plethora of options. I'm surprised you didn't go with the guy that's coming up in just a couple minutes here, but Yogi, don't go anywhere, okay, because we still got more from you in Los Angeles. That player that I was referring to, CU's Mavisca Chenault is going to be stopping by, coming off a huge win, arguably the biggest that the conference had in week number two on the road in Lincoln. And there's a familiar face, our buddy Matt Liner, Vince Young. We're going to relive some of those great moments back in 2006 with our Yogi Roth down in Los
3: Angeles. Montez out of the shotgun takes a snap. He drops. He's got time. He rears back. Rifles it downfield. of Gichonaut makes the grab over the shoulder. Touchdown Colorado. Silencing the crowd
4: here in Lincoln with 106 to play. The Buffaloes take a 33 to 28 lead. Who is that man with number two on his chest?
0: Oh, that was certainly one of the most exciting plays of the entire weekend in college football. And the man who was at the center of it, Laviska Chenault, the wide receiver from Colorado, who's also Pac-12 player of the week on offense, stops by with us here on Inside Pac-12 Football. LaVisca, congratulations on this victory. You actually right now are sitting there leading the country in receptions and yards per game. We're going to talk about all that stuff. But game-winning touchdown in Lincoln, what are the emotions that are attached to a moment like that for you?
5: It was very exciting, very exciting, especially knowing uh, knowing the play was coming to me. So it was very exciting.
0: All right, when, when missed field goals, they, they happen in games. What's it like actually on the sidelines as you guys have these opportunities to put points on the board and you're coming away empty?
5: Um, it, it was a bad thing, but you just got to trust the process and just keep playing through you're gonna keep playing through the bad things. You're gonna have ups and downs, so just gotta keep playing through it.
0: Mike McIntyre at the end of the game, he, he got emotional on the sidelines. He that tends to happen after big games. That's how much you know it means to him when, when you guys are able to win. What was he like inside the locker room when it was over?
5: Very emotional, like you said, <laughs> but also very excited and proud of us. How we went out and played and, and never kept never gave up and kept
0: fighting. LaVisca, I actually think your story is pretty interesting because Colorado, when Mike McIntyre took over the program, this was a, a rebuild. And then in 2016, they make the Pac-12 championship. After they get there, you decide to go and sign with Colorado. Take me through that decision uh, as a kid from Texas that decided to go and play in Boulder.
5: Um, before before the 2016 season, I just felt like um, Colorado was up for some some big things ahead, and I wanted to be a part of it, and I just believed in um, history. I believe in history repeat itself. So, so I wanted to be a, a part of that.
0: What was special, though, about Colorado and this program, considering the talent that you were, the state that you're in, knowing that you had other options and you didn't have to go to CU?
5: Um, I, just, I just felt like CU was the right place. You know? I wanted to be legendary.
0: Well, you were certainly on your way to that status. Uh, Gary Barnett, by the way, before we let you get going, former Colorado coach, he talked about the the tradition of the school. Had an opportunity to talk to him last week. He said that you were the best player, player, not wide receiver, the best player that Colorado has had in the last 20 years. When you hear something like that, what resonates for you?
5: Um, It makes me feel great, but... uh... You gotta stay humble and keep working. It always, it are, there's always room to improve and get better day in day out.
0: Well, continue on your path with Steven Montez. The two of you guys have a great connection on the football field. Cannot wait to see you guys this upcoming weekend. Continued success and stay healthy. Thank you. All right, well, clearly LaVisca is an absolute stud when he's on the football field. His play is is screaming to get attention. You explain to me, because you played the position before, what is the most impressive thing that he's doing on the football field?
2: Well, I think, first of all, when you look at his size, 6'2", 220, can run 4'4", I mean, just a freakish athlete that can do anything you need him to do. Kind of reminds me of another guy who played high school football in Texas, not too far from where he played high school in Des Bryant, a big-body guy who can run physical presence on the football field and what you have to admire more than anything is Darren Chevron the way he's planning him. planning him at quarterback giving him some uh, run plays not to mention putting him in isolated situations where he can make plays when you look at him right here he's on the outside going up and physically getting the ball and right here in the slot putting him in the slot lining him up probably with a third corner and you saw his speed being able to outrun that guy to catch the game winning touchdown when you have that kind of ability, trust me, offensive coordinator just smiling because I can put you anywhere and you can make plays. All right,
0: you work with a ton of wide receivers over the years in this conference, out of this conference, guys that are playing in the NFL as well. C-Way Incorporated. I think that's the way to go with it. But but explain to me, if you had time with Lavisca, if you were going to spend two weeks with him, what, what are the things you're going to work on with him? First thing is going in the classroom.
2: You know, a, a lot of times you get young receivers, they rely on their physical attributes all the time. And as you get higher in the ranks, whether it be college and next for him it will be the pros, guys are going to study you a lot more. Their job is more so in the classroom than it is actually on the field. So, learning how to study your opponent, trying to find out the weaknesses, the tendencies, all these little things that as a young receiver you don't really think about because you got to remember in high school, they're not playing against a lot of big-time corners, so they're able to just walk out there and make plays. Sometimes in college you see some college guys like that. In the pros, you can have a guy that's an average corner, but he's studying your tendencies, and if he finds a weakness and exploits it, you're done. So I would talk to this guy and tell him, look, start right now. Get in the film room. Get with your quarterback. Get on the same page because that's
0: going to help you moving forward. All right. From a, a stud perspective, Nikhil Harry has been sort of the benchmark heading into the season. Yes. He is He's that high point. At what point will we be talking about LaVisca as the next sophomore, the next The guy? next. So you're saying right now? Right now. now
2: if I had to pick two receivers and I'm the quarterback, Nikhil's on one side, LaVisca's on the other. I mean, two big bodies. You got to think about this. It's one thing to have a small guy that's quick and fast, a big guy that can jump and be physical. These guys are the tween. They're in between. They're big, physical, and fast. Think about it. Who did they go to for the game-winning touchdowns? A big, physical guy that came up with the play. Those guys are very unique. They can do it all.
0: So, what you're telling me is Steven Montez and Manny Wilkins are smiling ear to ear. Oh, uh, they know the it season. too. They, they know some it. <laughs> Something tells me we're not done talking about LaVisca just yet. Huge week two in the Pac-12 conference. Curtis and Yogi, it's their passion bucket time. What got them fired up heading into week three? Inside Pac-12 football is presented by Maui Jim. The view is better from here. Oh, everyone's favorite time of the show only because you get to see the old school pictures of Curtis and Yogi. Yogi's going to be back with us here. Yes, very sweet in just a moment. But Passion Bucket, if you're new to this, we basically just ask you guys to tell us what you are fired up about. So coming off of week two, looking into week three, what, what gets you going?
2: God, man, for me it was those two big wins. ASU, Michigan State, oh, yeah. Colorado, Nebraska. You know when you look at what we did in the bowls last uh, year, we were 1-8. So everybody was there on the Pac-12. We had to get some kind of respect from the country. So to go out and get those two wins against a Power 5 team was huge for the conference, not only for those programs. And Mike, what makes it so sweet, it wasn't Washington, it wasn't Stanford, it wasn't USC. It was ASU and Colorado, two teams that I think that had a really good chance of representing the South in the Pac-12 championship. I know
0: your your feet feeling ASU right now and Colorado. We just talked to Laviska in the uh, previously in the show. Nikhil Harry also in the conversation. Both of those wide receivers, huge reason for those teams' success. Absolutely.
2: I mean, two really good athletes, of course. Mike, the you know, two <laughs> of the best receivers, probably playing on two of the best teams in the South this year. Doesn't surprise me. Hey, receivers run the show, baby. Yeah.
0: All right, from one wide receiver to another, Yogi Roth standing by once again. So, Yogi, you tell me, what has you fired up?
1: Well, today is a powerful day, right? It's 9-11. And I think when you hear that phrase, we all instantly remember where we were on that fateful day. And I can remember for me, Mike, I was in college. I was a sophomore at the University of Pittsburgh. And I opened my bedroom door, and I saw all of my roommates around the television, I'm kind of curious what's going on course made my way to learn about what had happened around the world. And at the time college football was everything to me and like a lot of athletes, it was everything to them. But that moment gave us pause. I had a teammate whose dad worked in the Twin Towers. I know you knew people who worked in the Twin Towers. And we waited and waiting and waited in a team meeting just trying to find out is he okay? We hadn't heard, hadn't heard. Then finally at four in the afternoon the news broke that he would be okay and he happened to not be in the building that day. For the next 10 days, football went from a priority to me and the number one thing that mattered to me questioning the game, my purpose in it, and then we played. We played on a Thursday night against the University of Miami at Heinz Field, and that night prior to the game, there was the first flag that covered the entire field, 100 yards by 53 and a third, and on one sideline stood us, the Pitt Panthers, on the other stood the Miami Hurricanes, everybody holding a piece of the flag. And as I looked across, you saw our bitter rival. But that night, I saw the humanity in the game. I saw the beauty in the game. I saw the pageantry in the game. So what am I passionate about? Well, I'm passionate about the game. And I'm passionate that today is, of course, a moment for us to reflect on what happened in this country, but it's also a moment for us to remember the power of sports. We talk about it at the Pac-12 networks all the time, the power of play and the fact that no matter where you're from, what your background is, what position you are, if you're good, if you're elite, if you just ride the bench, well, we all speak ball, and to me, that is the thing that gives me chills today, and that is what has filled up my entire passion buck as I think back to when I really realized for the first time in my career what sports could do and how sports could be the bridge from a traumatic thing that happened to society and pull us all together.
0: Yeah, uh, Yogi. Glad you shared that story. And obviously, this is a, a common theme. Remember, even being myself in New York City at the time, and President Bush going, throwing at the first pitch at a Yankee game piazza. Obviously, when when baseball came back, he hitting that big home run. So certainly, a lot of uh, a lot of tough moments. Uh, I think for an entire city, for an entire country. And obviously, really appreciate you sharing your moment on the football field. And I know you're not done just yet. We still have more football conversation to go. Manny Wilkins, getting ready. To stop by our show, we'll get his take on a huge week two for a Sun Devil squad. It's going to be an epic day on Pac-12 Network, Saturday, September 15th. You get to watch six Pac-12 football matchups. First at 11 a.m., the Stanford Cardinal welcoming in UC Davis to the farm. At 2, Justin Herbert and the Ducks host San Jose State on Pac-12 Network and Pac-12 Oregon. Also at 2, Steven Montez and those Buffs, although well, face New Hampshire on Pac-12 Mountain. At 3 p.m., it's Justin Wilcox, Cal, facing off against Idaho State on Pac-12 Bay Area. At 5, Mike Leach and Washington State. They have Eastern Washington. And then at 8 p.m., Khalil Tate and Arizona hosting Southern Utah. There's a lot going on Saturday, September 15th on Pac 12 Networks or on the Pac 12 Now app. Now it'll come down to one final play and one final kick. It's up to Brandon Reese to give Arizona State the win. Snap is good. That's it. An early-term
1: signature win for Herman Edwards. Arizona State upsets Michigan State on Brandon Reese's game-winning field goal at the gun.
0: An absolutely awesome moment on Saturday night as ASU picks up what was described, and it was appropriate, a signature win for Herm Edwards in his young tenure as the head coach. Their quarterback, Manny Wilkins, throw for 380 in that victory, and he joins us here. Manny, all right, take me through the emotions. You guys have won some big games uh, over your time as a quarterback with the Sun Devils. This one just maybe feels a little
6: bit different. What was it like for you? Yeah, really, um, you know, I think this is... Obviously one of the biggest wins of my career since I've been here. Um, I don't think we, we're not going to hide that fact. But, uh, but really just, just to see the joy in my teammates, to see the joy in, my, in the coaching staff, just collectively as a group, uh, we just all felt so much joy because we know how much work that we put in day in and day out throughout all the summer, throughout the winter, um, and games like that. Those, those, are t- those are moments that really pay off for you.
0: Manny, you are savvy enough to know what people are saying about you and your teammates and your head mm. coach, Herm Edwards. We talked about this Pac-12 media day. You were the only team in that South division not to get a first-place vote. Herm walked yeah. off our set, and he said, don't worry, Mike, we're going to be okay. What's it like? How gratifying is it to get a win like this, knowing what the perception of this program has been coming into the season?
6: Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that I really have told the, my team, um, you know, we talked about it today before we went out to practice, is, you know, we expected this. We expected to have some good things happen to us. You know, we know we have a, a good football team in and, and all three stages, special teams, offense, defense. It's just about putting the right pieces of the puzzle in the correct spot. Um, and I think that collectively as a group, we understand that we can be special. We can do some special things. And, and the biggest thing I think that the biggest enemy of success is complacency. Um, So when we have some success now, we can't get complacent with where we're at, and we can't be satisfied with beating Michigan State. Now we got to move on to the next opponent and, uh, you know, treat this week the same exact way.
0: Manny, what is a Herm Edwards victory speech to the team like when it's a game like this?
6: You know, he kept it super short, um, kept it super simple. He simply said, you know, like I kind of just said, you know, we expected this. Don't be surprised, you know, like – you know we worked so hard to get this, so we, we, we know we could get it done, and we did. Um, but we ended it off with stay humble and stay hungry, and that's that's kind of what um, what this team is trying to strive off of. Is just no matter what the situation is, no matter if there's some um, some adversity that strikes us like it did in the game, as long as we stick together, um, trust the process, trust the coaches, trust our you know our, our the way we are taught things. Um, you know good things will happen so we just got to stay humble stay hungry and just continue to strive to be better every single day
0: Manny, watching you on the football field I've seen you done some do some crazy things athletically there was Great. one thing I happened to notice in the first half on on Saturday and that was you verbally kind of getting after guys on the football yeah. field I'd seen you be a leader before this one just it, it felt different watching you on the football field what were some of those exchanges what was happening on the field as you were going back and forth with guys
6: yeah obviously, um you know, I got after Darby a little bit, but you know, I texted him after the game we 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 met up, um, we had a conversation about you know the situation that happened. It was literally it was just a miscommunication but between the two of us, but the reason why I was so frustrated is because we work way too hard, and he is way too good to mess up in a situation like that. Um, you know, I had a couple overthrows, and, you know, I get all myself about it. But, you know, it's never anything negative. I'm never being negative with him, and he understands that. But I was just simply letting him know, like, you know, we just had a miscommunication. He ran the wrong route because I gave him something else. Um, and, and those are those are easily fixable. But, you know, in big games like that, Uh, I mean, like I said earlier, you don't you don't get many opportunities back and and we got to capitalize on those situations because those are those are pivotal, pivotal points of the game. Um, But, you know, we squashed it, not squashed it because there was really nothing to really to squash. But we we got together, understood each other. um, and, And I told him the reason I'm like that with him is because I know how he reacts to critical criticism. Um, I know how he reacts you know he gets amped up he knows he doesn't want to mess up again and he just continues to make himself better and you know I just got to know how to handle everybody on the field and Darby's one of those guys where I can get after him because I know how he's going to react to it
0: well you know your personnel on the football field and I think heading into the season defensively those were some of the biggest questions that we had about ASU you mm-hmm. go up against this defense uh, yeah. every single day Why aren't you surprised that this team with this new scheme and and Danny Gonzalez at the helm now as the defensive coordinator is having the success that they're having through these first two weeks?
6: Yeah, um, I think a lot of it is coaching. I think a lot of it is the will and the want to do good defensively. Um, You know, if you guys watch the highlights and you guys watch the games, you you see that there's guys flying around. You see that when somebody's getting tackled, it's not one person tackling somebody the majority of the time. It's three, four guys, population to the football. And that's what Coach uh, Gonzalez is really preaching. They have a period in practice every single day of running to the football. um, And and they're just trying to create chaos on the field for the offense. And and at the end of the day, it's going to create turnovers and takeaways. And being a defense, that's what you want.
0: Many people have talked about this team's schedule, and it's a huge win in week number two. And obviously what's looming in week three, San Diego State is a good yeah. football team. We saw Very it already team. In, the, yeah. in the Pac-12 and what they were able to do against Stanford. Uh, Manny, mm-hmm. wish you nothing but the best of luck. Stay healthy on the football field, man, and continued success.
6: Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right. These, we, we came
0: across this on Twitter. Manny Wilkins, the red zone numbers during the— streak of 62 consecutive red zone scores. I mean that's see what that's 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 impressive, man. I tell you no what. No picks either.
2: That's huge. Anytime you can move the ball in the middle of the field, your playbook shrinks once you get in the red zone. So for you to be able to have that kind of success is amazing.
0: Okay, um and I do promise cuz what I was getting at with my question to Manny about what's a Herm Edwards speech like? I thought Manny was going to do his <laughs> imitation of Herm. We're going to wait for the pregame show to head down to Tempe, and I will make sure that Manny does that for us. But, look, you played for the guy. I know that your spot on the train is actually a comfortable one. I know he was asking people to hop on the train at some point. Seat so might not be comfortable, but uh, you're going to get one of those. So, you tell me, what what is he doing to change uh, what this team is and pick up a win like this? You know, Herm is
2: just being Herm. Herm, you know, I, I had to – the blessing to play for him and his energy, his personality rubs off on you. It's nothing that he's hes not trying hard. You know, some people would try hard. He's just being him and he's very authentic. He's like that uncle, your favorite uncle, you know, the one that's going to get on you. Yeah. But at the same time, you can have fun with and he knows when to do it. It's not okay. It's out of place. Um, you know, I was a, a vet when I played for Herm and he knew how to treat the vets and he knew how to treat the young guys. And that's what's amazing is you heard Manning talk about his receivers. You know, you got 12 different receivers. You can't go at them all the same. You have to know their personalities, and that's Herm. Herm knows how to look at you, and he can, okay, this is how I got to come at him. Even though he's a head coach and you want to treat everybody the same, he knows how to get the best out you.
0: I'm glad you bring up that point because Danny Gonzalez had an opportunity to talk to him yesterday, the team's defensive coordinator, and I asked him about the relationship Herm has with his players. He echoed the same thing. He said, um, Herm's going to treat everyone fairly but not equally, Mm -hmm. or equally but not fairly you know where I'm going with that. Point is, Yogi, I know you know this program. You've seen the transition and the guys that are now heading to Tempe. So you explain to me, what what are you seeing from the Sun Devils?
1: Well, we saw it in the spring. I can remember going out there and spending a day at ASU and – It just felt lighter, and I think that speaks to every coach has a different philosophy. And the biggest thing, as Curtis knows, and Mike, obviously, we have seen at the Pac-12 Networks, is you just got to be consistent with it. And I think for Herm Edwards, the biggest thing that he's done is he said, I'm going to be the CEO. Right? Chip Kelly's a play caller and the CEO. Nick Saban, he's got his vibe. Everybody has their thing. And when all of a sudden you start going up and down, which happens a lot for first year head coaches or programs in their first year with new leadership, that's when it falls off. He hasn't done that. So going back to spring, obviously only through two games, what we've seen so far is that if you're given the keys to the car, Danny Gonzalez, as you talked to yesterday, or offensive coordinator Rob Likens, or Manny Wilkins and his freedom at the line of scrimmage, when you're given that, you can exhale a little bit. And that allows you to just be your personality, allow that to shine. Now, you still are held to a standard and a high standard, which everyone in that program is, and he's very clear about that. But I think that's his approach. And when I look back and think about how much was made about him being out for about a decade, Let's remember what he did in that decade. Not only did he visit teams in the NFL and in college, but he was also meeting with top executives, CEOs around the world, and talking to them about their leadership style and his leadership style, and then cultivating that. And I don't think that that's talked about enough, because his job in this program is to set the tempo, be the tempo, and make sure the energy and the standard is what it is. And we've seen a team that is not inconsistent Through two games, in any phase of the game, off the field, how they communicate with us. And to me, that is the job that he set out to do from day one. And I think he's done exactly that. So that, to me, is the most impressive thing through two games for a guy who hasn't coached since 2008.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm glad you bring that up point as well, because this is a team that um, hasn't been inconsistent. Danny Gonzalez had said to me, I asked him about ranking his defense or grading it out. He said, Mm B minus. I can't wait to see what the A game from that defense actually looks like. Oregon, a little bit of a less transition. Head coach obviously changed, but their staff, Seaway is relatively intact from the one that Willie Taggart had a year ago. So what's changing from an Oregon perspective that has them sitting at 2-0?
2: You know, I don't think anything is changing. I think the fact that Justin Herbert is behind center is the key. I mean, when you look at Justin last season, his first five games that he played in, he was four and one and we're talking about this guy being the next big quarterback in the Pac-12 after Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen leave. He will be that guy and he is that dude. You got to think about it. Four and one when he was out there, nine touchdowns, two picks. When he was missing, they went one for four in the next five games. He came back for the last three, two and one. This dude is a baller. And anytime you have something, you heard Yogi talk about consistency. If that guy can stay on the field, Oregon is going to be something to reckon with because he is a dude.
0: A Sunday football player. All day. And it's, yeah, all day, every single day, Monday through Friday. And they hope that he is back next season. Speaking of Sunday football, Matt Leiner and Vince Young, they dueled it out in college. They both played on Sundays. They're going to be stopping by with Yogi Roth in Los Angeles to talk about USC Texas 2.0. Liner, Young, and their legion—the
2: royalty of college football—is in assembly at the Rose Bowl, 2006.
3: Sure look out! Ball fumble. Texas has got it. Trying to lateral the ball is what he was doing. Just trying to do too much. Reaches for it.
4: Touchdown! Well, he's got the team on his back, now.
3: Fourth down and one goes to White. Runs up the middle. That'll do it. Touchdown! five the national championship on the line right here he's going for the corner he's got
2: it texas has defeated southern california to win the national championship of college football
4: and it's coming home to texas
0: It really is one of the greatest games ever played, the 2006 Rose Bowl. We go back to Los Angeles. Yogi Roth was on that SC staff, standing by with a couple familiar faces. By the way, none of you guys have aged, which is certainly a win. But we obviously have the big rematch with USC in Texas. But, Yogi, I'll let you take it away.
1: Yeah, you got it, Mike. I mean, they definitely haven't aged a bit. I feel like you guys can still play right now. you seen seen the (laughs) grays in my hair a little bit? (laughs) Can you imagine? You got them, too. (laughs) When we look back at that game, could you imagine playing it again? I mean, I feel like it took out so much energy. We need like a decade or so just to relax from that game. Dude,
3: I have to, like, stretch every day just to get up in the morning, man. I can't (laughs) imagine playing that game, putting the pads on, but it's – Every time we, we every time we do something like this together and talk about the game, I always say it's like, it's the game that haunts me forever. You know? <laughs> I, I cannot get rid of this guy, which I don't want him. Man, I love Vy, and uh, it's fun. Um, you know the trilogy. You know, kind of calling it in uh, the third game, and it, it's fun to be with Vince. Always getting, always talking stories and the memories of that game and uh, the impact it had on college football for both of us. And uh, but yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, just everything that went into that game, the hype, and then the buildup, and then the actual finish. It would be it would be
1: impossible to relive that. <laughs> Vince, when you, when you look back, and you know when we were when you guys were playing there was no social media so you didn't really know the other guy right. it was the first time you met was it at the Heisman and it's gone down in like history when you didn't win the Heisman you called your boys <laughs> you're like okay now it's on <laughs> I think it was, I think it started I was in the
4: training room and I gave you a call I think I was speaking. Yeah, we, talk,
3: we talked during the season yeah we
4: talked a couple of times during the season and you know kind of kept in touch and then the first time we did meet was at the Heisman and ever since then it's been kind of well, you know quarterbacks like I really feel like we think like we 're similar we cool we, we care about each other. Mm-hmm things like that. I mean, even though the game, whatever happened with the game, just to see the relationship that me and him have to this day, I mean, I think it's it's, it's awesome, man, just to see him and his family, mom and dad, his little man, you know, all the things that's going on in his life, the afterlife football as we become men in our household to taking care of responsibility, but also always get a chance to have fun like this is always good. When
1: you guys dive into the game, you know, so often matchups are quarterback versus quarterback, but you never play each other. So when you're on the sideline, take us through the early parts of that game there was so much hype it was like not just sc versus texas it was like california versus the state of texas when you're watching each other play what was going through your mind let me tell you something (laughs) i i
3: had no obviously vince is one of the best to ever do it in college and one of the most exciting players as you know Yog and I will never forget. It was like one of those things, all right, I'm gonna get up and watch this and just see I was a little nervous about our defense. No one shut no one stopped him all season long. And and he and he was just I mean he's he was big and fast and could throw and they had great players too. You know, they had a great offense and great team. But I remember just the beginning of that game. We got off to a little bit of a slow start, but just all right, what's, what's Vince doing? Kind of standing up. You know, You quarterbacks, you're going through your stuff or you're sitting on the bench and you're letting your defense do your thing. But for me, I, I wanted to get a taste of kind of, okay, what is this Texas team all about? Because I, I watched them, I respect them. I, you know, they're fun to watch, but now we're playing for a national championship, so it's a little more serious. But um, it was, uh, man, it was just, it was back and forth, you know. And uh, a lot of, I mean, God, I, the one thing that always fascinates me is just the great players that played in that game on both sides of the ball for both teams. I mean, you're talking... I mean, like literally. I mean, I, I always forget Jamal Charles was on that team, and Jamal was great. And Jamal was like, like one of the best backs in NFL. I know he's, you know, injuries and stuff the last couple of years, but he was phenomenal, man. And like, you just kind of take for granted the players that played in that game. So, uh, but it was, it was, it was, uh, it was fun to kind of sit back now as I can talk about it. You know, what is it, twelve years later? Um, you know, being able to watch as a fan and just seeing like, wow, this is, you know, this is real deal. So. Yeah, I mean, my my. What well, stuck out with
4: me with Matt when he went back to school for another year, I thought that was incredible. He was setting a tone not just for himself, but a lot of young players that leave early and go do these things. My education is more. I want to better myself in my books, but also more education in the in the football. And I thought that was incredible for him to send that message out to the world. So. Then when he came back and he was balling out again, I'm like, oh, it looked like we're about to head to each other to this Rose Bowl game. So, I mean, I just always, you know, admire quarterbacks that um, take an initiative to be to be great and make sure the players around them. And he, do, he did that for so many years, so many times, um, and just to see him, Playing face to face, head to head in the game, Mack and always should this. When you playing another quarterback, you want to see how you match up to that guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean. We couldn't
3: be more polar, <laughs> more opposite in our game. I was slow as heck, didn't have a strong arm. Right. I was just uh, facilitating. <laughs> this guy is like a freak athlete. Could run, could throw. Just like just I I'd get off. me, couldn't tackle him. So it was it was a uh, you know it was com- that was a cool thing. It was two completely different styles of of, of teams. Exactly, uh, as you know, so.
4: and a lot of history, a lot of history, and then our fans. I mean, you, we can't say enough about our fans, the support that they they, they did for that throughout the whole year and during the season, man. But, you know, just to see Matt playing on that field, throwing the ball. We we, we got a lead, and I'm looking at him like, he ain't done yet, you know. <laughs> so, we have to prepare. I'm telling the defense, come on, y'all putting pressure on us. When, <laughs> come on, man, put the pressure on yourself. So, it was it was fun, man, Just see him play, man. And to this day, like I said, over and over again, man, it's, it's an honor to be sitting right next to
1: him and, being, and it's an honor to say he's my friend. We saw prior to this interview a clip of you on that famous play, fourth and five, 23 (laughs) seconds left. You win the ball game. Curious, because I read about how you went into the Texas locker room afterwards. Uh Did you guys talk at all? What's that like for two highly competitive guys, former Heisman Trophy winner, guy up for the Heisman, you go win the natty, to be able to be like, hey, man, that was a pretty impressive job. It was
3: it was hard, I, you know, because we talked about it. But I remember, like, my post-game interview, it was like, I remember saying, like, I thought we were the better team. So it was an emotional outburst for me, and I took a lot of crap for that. Um, and, and I think any competitor, you know, in the heat of the moment, especially when, you know, now they, they stick a camera in your face, you're like, oh, how does it feel to lose the national championship? Well, uh, I thought we were better, but we gave them whatever I said. And then, um, you know, as we – I think the way the, the locker rooms were set up, uh, you know, Reggie and I were out there, and and at the end of the day – and no one prompted me to do it. Just like you kinda give respect where respect's due and I think the respect we had for each other prior to that game, we got to know each other better in New York for the Heisman and just all the the award shows that circuit. And um it was you know, and I got a lot of respect for Mac Brown, and actually become fairly closer with Mac Brown as the years got on. And I think he's just a great human being. So I think it was just a respect thing. You know, like that was a great game. You guys deserved to win. Uh, let the, the emotions calm a little. It was still tough to to swallow, obviously, but um, you know, it was just something we did. You know. Yeah, and this, it definitely goes back to the the point of our coaches, even ever
4: ever since little league. All the way up to Pete Carroll and Coach Brown, it's all about sportsmanship. Yeah. I don't care how much you win by, I don't care how much how you lose by. You 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 always be respectful. Um, and Coach Brown definitely coached that to us. Yeah. He doesn't care about any all the accolades and none of that. You're gonna be respectful. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do it the right way, or you're not gonna be here. Or I don't want you around me, which is right. Yeah, don't nobody want nobody does don't want to respect <laughs> people around you. So you have to learn that at a young age. And I really feel like the entire coaching staff that I grew up with taught me that. And you can obviously see his. Coaches from Little League all the way up now to engrave that into his head. Like it's all about sportsmanship. So yeah. on my end, I, I respected it. And like I said, this would, even, for him him and Reggie to do that, it's just to show what type of character these guys are.
1: I love it. A game that has gone down in infancy. I know you'll be there on the sideline, Matt. You'll be covering all yeah. day on Fox. Check that one out at 5 o'clock Pacific. Mike, I got the quarterbacks here. You got receivers. <laughs> they say hello, but we're going to throw it back to you guys in San Francisco.
0: Yes, I, I think, uh, and Yogi, great job there. And I, I know I speak for Curtis when I say we do miss Matt having, a, having him in studio with us. Great to have and, and listen to Vince and Matt share some of those memories of what it was like in that 2006 Rose Bowl. I remember watching that game. I remember exactly where I was. You used to rock the uniform. What was it like for you to see USC in this juggernaut fight with Texas?
2: <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Um, I was over a Buddy's house when we were watching the game a Trojan. And after the game, I was driving home and I literally got home and sat on my couch and I had the worst Headache ever. And I said to myself, I can't believe a game that I hadn't played in affected me the way that game affected me. That's never happened in my life because, I mean, like they talked about the emotion, the hype, everything about it, and it came all the way down to almost the the last play of the game. And, you know, once you're a Trojan, you're always a Trojan. You know, Trojan for life. And so, I didn't have a uniform, but I felt like I was on the sideline. I felt like I was a part of the team. And when we lost that game, man, I swear to you, I had a headache. And I just said to myself, I never thought I would feel this way about a a, a, a competition that I wasn't a part of. Yeah. But it was real.
0: You, see, you even use the term, we. We lost that we. game. You're exactly. right. It still feels that way for you, even on this set all those years later. All right, still to come, Washington State getting it done offensively and defensively. A Closer look at their game coming up next. It's the home opener for the Washington State Cougars. To the end zone, Martin. And he is in, touchdown Washington State. Open, Martin got it, another touchdown.
4: What a throw and catch. Minshew keeps it.
0: Minshew leaps. Yeah. And he's in. Touchdown. Woo. Oh. Guy Haberman on the call who was fired up. He got to see Gardner Minshew in person. Washington State still stays perfect on the year. Eastern Washington the opponent. All right. You tell me because offensively there's we're, we're used to seeing them. Yes. Kind of rotate guys in and out and they, they're just going to put up huge numbers here. How much do you make of the success though that the offense has had so far.
2: Well, not a lot because we've seen this before. I mean, you go all the way back to Connor Holiday when he took over. He was throwing the ball 50 times a game. Luke Falk stepped in. He's throwing the ball 50 times a game. And now Minshew's throwing the ball 50 times a game right now, leading the country in pass attempts. So this is the typical Washington State Mike Leach offense. For me, Yam is more about defense. I really believe Alex Grinch, when he came, he was a huge part in turning that football team around as a whole. He's not there anymore. So So moving forward, I know they have two wins, but again, it's not against quality opponents. Once they get into conference play. That's what I'm anxious to see because I really believe that Alex Grinch was a huge part of that. I want to see what they can do defensively now that he's not there.
0: Speaking of Guy Haberman, because he was on the call, had an opportunity to speak with some of those coaches. I talked to him, and he told me that Tracy Clays made it a point to keep things the same Mm. with Alex Grinch. You You can see maybe uh, not a huge adjustment on that side of the football, but like you said, once he gets a stiffer competition, maybe the tune changes just a bit, but the Cougs right now still undefeated. Right as are the Bears, who have, I think, some larger issues at the quarterback spot just because of the unknowns. The one thing that is abundantly clear through these first two weeks, the defense – it has improved it improved a year ago and see it looks like it's even better because of these turnovers created.
2: Oh, absolutely. When you look at four interceptions in the first game two last week and turnovers are key to winning football games. That's the one thing you tell your offense. Do not turn the ball over. Do not give the ball back to the other team's offense. Cal is doing a really good job defensively. If doing just that, you're seeing all these interceptions, six picks in the first two games, leading the country in interceptions, that's huge, man.
0: If I would have told you a year ago, at the end of last season that we didn't know who was going to be the team starting quarterback in week three and it had nothing to do with injuries and the defense is doing what it's doing, would you have said you were surprised?
2: Not at all. I mean, okay. I, think, I thought Bowers would be the guy. Okay. And I thought he was good enough. But again, you know, when you look at this football team, Justin has did a good job with this team. He's a defensive coach, so I don't expect nothing less. Again, when you have a a head coach, his side of the ball should always be pretty good. You know what I mean? He has the last say-so. He's the guy that goes and close the deals when you go and recruit. So trying to close a deal on a quarterback or an offensive guy when you are a defensive head coach, it's not as easy as it would be if you're offense. So I can see him going in now and building that defense. And Mike, I always tell you I'm a receiver, but defense wins championships and, baby
0: and the defense for both of those teams right now Washington State and Cal looking pretty good I am still just surprised you know we're still going to be talking about this offense and who's going to be marching out there in week number three that's the big story we're passing the mic it's coming up next not to mention taking you beyond the X's and O's oh there's a familiar face
1: Sam Donald.
3: inside Pac-12 football is presented by Maui Gym the view is better from here I saw hockey. What? I just saw one of those. It is just really weird. It's awful. Agreed. I, I kind of like it. Go crazy. Yeah, we're definitely going to do that. No, not yet. What? You're tired. Stop.
1: Can you do that?
3: Nope. I don't have any statistical... Uh, datas or percentages. You, you can't pick and choose. No one analyzes who, who's who. That's a two-part trick question. You're right. No, 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 no. no. They did exactly what we said they were going to do. Can't help it. I know that that was a two-part question. I probably answered in either part one or part two. Uh,
6: no, not really. It's not been all disaster. You can always say that. No, no, no. Oh, sorry. Dang it. If you got something clever, I'll listen. To. I'm always going to tell you the truth. We're probably going to do rock paper scissors to sort that. You Sure are. That guy can roll. We're not going to score.
3: We you know how it goes. Send me some snapshots. Be a thrill a minute. Looks pretty good to me. You play games to win the game. Coach Herm said it. The data backs it up. Like what? We don't know. You really don't know? Yeah, I don't know. It's not what we want. But it is true. Yeah, uh, I remember that part. Don't
6: try to be hero ball. That's hurdle number one. It's silliness. He can end it real fast. I mean, quit. Bam. I learned this lesson. He's never forgot it.
1: A great ending, to say the least.
0: Herm creeping into my favorite <laughs> of the past the mic. Kind of unseating. Mike Leach, never easy. Taking it beyond the X's and O's, Sam Darnold. First pass, a pick six, but it ended well for him. 198 yards, two touchdowns, and more importantly, a win. You said he was going to ball out at some point in the NFL. We already saw it.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. You talked about the pick six, and, you know, we talk about it all the time. It's not the mistake you make. It's how do you respond from the mistake. Oh, yeah. After that, two more touchdowns and a victory. On the road? We'll
0: take it. Huge. Yes. Uh, Some more good news in the Pac-12 Conference as well. Nothing better than getting a scholarship. A walk on. Noah Williams at Stanford. Corner from Phoenix, the
6: sophomore. You're one of us.